Tis the gift to be simple. Tis a gift to be free. We're back again. Again. With another episode of Cop. Talking about Pink Floyd's The Wall. Or is it Pink Floyd The Wall? Or I know Wikipedia. It's Pink Floyd Dash The Wall. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I thought this movie was going to be like Interstellar, Interstellar five 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 five. Like I thought it was going to be fully animated. I did because I just thought that based on the cover, oh, yeah. which I've seen like a million times, and I was like, I hope it's not because Interstellar quadruple five sucks. We didn't finish that movie, and it's five fives, so it's quintuple. Oh, fives. is it quintuple fives? Yeah. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> I'm off to a bad start. Damn it. Damn it. Um. But yeah, um, I'm fine to just hop into this, but one thing I want to do before we review this movie is I want to preface one thing, and that is I didn't listen to this album before watching the movie, and I think that was a mistake. Um, Same. Because uh, I feel like it's kind of necessary, and I also want to say that... I'm very, very unsure if I understood this movie <laughs> enough. I, I don't know if I understood the movie and it was shit or if I just <laughs> didn't understand the movie and I need to rewatch it. Um, and I, I watched it yesterday, um, which I, I should have watched it earlier because then I could have rewatched it for the show. Um, because I honestly think I need to rewatch this one or maybe even two times. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to later after the show, at some point, we'll watch it and we'll do a mini, we'll yeah. do a mini retrospective, see if anything changed. Yeah. Um, a plot of the, <laughs> the movie for those who are like, who, who haven't seen the movie and just kind of listen along just for fun. I don't know if I can really... The movie... Uh, how do I explain this? The movie's timeline is so broken. It's like it was a ceramic plate and they smashed it on the floor and then swept up the pieces and then put a, put all the pieces in a line, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, so if, if you watched like, something like Pulp Fiction and that confused you, I'm going to say straight off the bat, just don't watch this movie because it's seriously all over the place. That like Giving a plot is... The only plot I can give you is very reductive. Like, it's basically... It, it really, like, the Wikipedia plot summary will not give you an idea of what the film is like, really. Because it, it presents it as, like, a traditional kind of film, but it's really not. Yeah, like, I have to reduce it basically to the point where it's about a boy whose father died in the war, and then you see his life afterwards. Yeah, as a, as a rock star, apparently. Although we don't. Yeah. We'll get into it here. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's get into it, Matthew. Let's just jump right into it. What's, what's good? <laughs> let's just dive right in here. Let's yeah. just let's get into the thick of it. Yeah. Let's not beat around the bush. All right, what do you think of this movie? Because your impressions are lukewarm, given the uh, what you just said. Yeah, well, okay. There are lots of things that I like about this movie. I was somewhat right in that there are animated sequences in this movie, and I think all of those are beautiful. They're pretty good, yeah. I mean, I, all I've listened to fully is... Dark Side of the Moon, uh, because my friends, or our friends, over the summer have just been listening to it, and then I've been listening to it too, and then I gave it a full listen, not like a week ago, and I was like, this is incredible. Like, I'm the first person to fucking say that. <laughs> but, um, 
I again I fucked up by not listening to the album The Wall, which the songs of which are peppered through this movie, but I don't think in the trackless order that they'd be on the album. I don't think they're presented in that same order in the movie. I know that the we, we I guess we should like should have listened to the album, but it really shouldn't be a prerequisite. No, no, there should never be prerequisites for for movies. But I think it vaguely uh, follows the track listing because I think the album itself basically tells like the story in the film. Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna assume that's in the similar order. All I know is that Comfortably Numb is later in the album and it's later in the movie, so that's all I got. And, like, we heard, like, Another Brick in the Wall Part 1 before Part, part two, 2, so maybe... And that's a song... Like, it, I'm sure everyone has heard Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 and uh, Comfortably Numb before, but the other song might be someone new. Hey! <laughs> teacher! teacher leave them kids alone! Leave them kids alone. Um... Obviously, I like the soundtrack. I mean, again, I'm the first person to say that. Um, the acting in the movie I thought was great. There are, like, scenes where there are a ton of extras. Like, there's one scene where they're in a park when the main... I should say the main character's name is Pink. I'm pretty sure he's the only character who's, like, named in the movie. I uh, the, Yeah, I think I think actually on the phone call he has with his his wife's lover... I think he. I think he says like, "Is Mrs. Floyd there?" So oh, really? His name is, like, okay. Floyd. But that's it. I. I don't think there is. I don't think anybody else is named no. in the film. There's very little dialogue, um, but there is some. Um, I, sorry, but anyways, there's a scene where they're in a a park where Pink uh, is a boy. We see him in three stages of his life: like young boy, quasi teenager, and then adult. Um, and then, again, those are all broken up, and then you see them in different sections and yada, yada, yada. But Young Pink uh, is at the park, and there's all these, like, kids playing with their parents, and, like, that scene is great. So, like, there's all these kid actors, and it's super believable. Like, I don't know if they, like, filmed that and just brought in the parents with their kids, and they were just, like, just play around and we'll film you, or if that was actually, like, fully acted. But either way, like, scenes like that where there's, like, a lot of extras uh, is great. Like, there's this one scene where all these teenagers are running away from the cops, and then there's a huge fight. It's, like, this massive set piece. Uh, I think that is all great. I actually looked... Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, because in... The scene in which Pink, I suppose Pink is supposed to be performing in this, but from his point of view, he's like the fascist dictator, mm -hmm. and then the people in the crowd are his, are his posse or whatever. Yeah, I actually looked to see if there was anybody who like, because I was thinking like, if you were if it was eighty two and you were like a twenty year old guy in the Pink Floyd movie, I'd probably mm -hmm. do some dumb shit too to be like, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, me. I'm, I'm immortal now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I looked hard. I couldn't find anything. So kudos to those guys for the self-restraint or the editing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which one. <laughs> but yeah, the, the extras are all good. There's a lot. Of, you're right. There is a lot of extras in the film because like there's the war sequence where you have all the soldiers, you know, walking about and there's the fascist rally sequences and all the kids. And then there's, like, the scene where the gates open and everybody's yeah. running. Yeah, yeah and uh, it, it's all done pretty admirably, admirably. I hope they didn't get the Romero treatment as we... They did. This is so... This, well, this is on topic, 
Uh, this will be the only time I mention it. But in, remember in the Star Trek The Motion Picture <laughs> where at the beginning where there was like all those people getting that lecture about how there's this cloud coming in space yeah. and yada yada. All those people were fans. Really? Yeah. Anyways. That's a good tidbit. Yeah. Also, that was a nice red letter media moment. <laughs> <laughs> you really uh, mic'd that one there. Sorry. Uh, but no, yeah, uh, the extra work is done. I do like, I would say the acting in the film is, is well done. Bob, um, Geldof, I suppose is how you pronounce his last name. You're the name guy. <laughs> Bob Geldof. I'm going to say Bob Geldof. He does a pretty good job as Pink. For most of the movie, he just plays a guy catatonic with a burnt yeah. down cigarette yeah. between his fingers. But in scenes when he asks to show genuine emotion or he has to show some kind of repressed rage or anything like that, he does a really good job. He's he's really good at playing like a manic character. Mm-hmm. I'll give kudos to like the kid actor versions of Pink as well. They do a pretty good job. There's a couple of heart there's a couple of heart wrenching scenes with him. Like in during the comfortably num numb sequence, I know it's like it's such a cliche, but when he picks up the rat, takes it home, and mm-hmm. his mom says, Get out, and then he takes care of the rat and then the rat dies and yeah. just throws in the water yeah that was hard for me to watch uh the scene on the playground when he tries to go with the other guy's dad yeah that that stuff that stuff was pretty poignant i don't know if we, i can chalk that up to that child actor's performance but it was all done in a very believable way you almost kind of get like that feeling of like deep set childhood pain that mm-hmm. i guess would resonate and have Someone like Pink be all the way he is when he's an adult. Yeah, because I guess to like to flush it out, like Pink basically, his, so his dad dies, and then in World War Two, in World War Two, um, fighting for the British side or whatever. Uh, <laughs> not not Hitler. Not Hitler. The not Hitler side. Um, so he, he his mother's raising him. The movie doesn't like explicitly say, but I guess she wasn't doing that bang up of a job. He's very like alone. He's very on his own. There's this one scene where he comes home and his mom isn't there, and then he goes digging through um, her stuff in her dresser, and then finds his dad's drawer with his uniform, his his cap, bullets, and then a letter saying your dad's dead. I and I don't From King George. Yeah, and I don't know. Um, if that was a character's like first time finding out that his dad was dead, because like he, sometimes like parents would say like, "Oh, he's coming home, don't worry," or something like that. But I don't, I don't really know. They don't say in the movie, um, as far as I know. Um, let's uh, shut that. that. Shut your butt down there. Anyways, yeah, I, I don't, I don't actually know. Um. I don't know where it's going with, but yeah. So yeah, his dad, um, his dad was dead. It wasn't there for him. And then we just see kind of his heartaches, or not explicitly because of that, but I think that was like his first heartache, which led to this pattern of further isolation in his life. And I thought the movie was about the Berlin Wall for some reason. And like I was listening to the songs like another brick in the wall part two where they're talking about bad teachers and how kids are just another it's just another brick in the wall and i was like how does teachers what does that have to do with the berlin wall (laughs) but a lot no it has to do with isolation and shitty teachers is going to lead to further isolated kids 
Although you could say, like, for me, another brick in the wall, like, hey, teacher, blah, 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 that song, it's, like, also kind of about, like, like not, like, authority mm-hmm. and kind of thing. So, and because of the themes of, like, fascism that you have in this movie that we'll talk about in a bit, like, maybe that connects with that. I could see it. There's there, The nice thing about Pink Floyd is that you can always interpret things a few different ways. Yeah. Well, that's with any good piece of right. art. Yes, but I feel like in particular them, they like to have a little bit of ambiguity, but like they like to have these grand themes presented. I'm going to get my big problem with this movie out of the way. Mickey Mouse product placement? Mickey Mouse product placement, Coca-Cola product placement later on in the movie where he just has two cans of Coke and he positions the... Uh, the logo perfect for the camera. That was kind of weird. And the Marlboro cigarettes. Yeah. He's got those too. Um, I'm going to get my big problem with this movie out of the way. And this kind of ties into, I don't know if I just didn't get it. Uh, the first watch or this movie's bad. But there are so many themes and so many things that I think this movie is lampooning that at the end of the movie, I'm thinking to myself, do I study for my finals or what? <laughs> because a movie like THX is like, these are this is what's going to happen if basically capitalism, industrialism, and materialism takes over our lives. And we're like, okay, well, let's not do that. Or Brazil's like, this is what happens when we are going to live in like a fully bureaucratic world. Okay, let's not do this. And then this movie just like, this is what happens if we live. And it's like, should I, should I, you know, should I end it all or what? Like if I'm, <laughs> I'm standing on the, the, the top of the fifth street bridge, if I die, in hell. Okay. <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing with Pink's journey in this movie is that it's not really a journey at all. It's just kind of him being sad for a bit. And then like at the end, there's this big ambiguous sequence where like, He's showing nearly human emotion. Yeah, so uh, should we talk about that now? No, I want to keep going and then we can talk about it. But there's just so many things. Like, there are these lots of fascist sequences in the movie. There's this one animated sequence. I forget if I said this, but I love all the animated sequences. I think they look just fantastic. Which is maybe like a quarter of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um... There's this one where, like, this mechanical eagle, obviously supposed to be Nazi Germany, is just, like, flying over cities and picking them up, like, like, Blitzkrieg, um, operations, is that what, Blitzkrieg? Is that what? Blitzkrieg was just, like, the, the German style of yeah. warfare. Yeah, so, and that's what they would do, they would just yeah. go and absolutely destroy cities and yeah. keep going. Um, and then there's, like, police brutality sequences... Where, like, police are just beating up teenagers and raping them. Um, and then there are, like, product placement there. Seven of product placement. <laughs> work. I'm counting them. That's the three already. There's, like, Teenage Rebellion. There's anti, like, the whole, like, school sequence where kids are getting put into meat grinders. And they're just, like, faceless drones. So it's, like, anti school and then like it just keeps going on and on and on and like it seems every five minutes they're lampooning a different thing where like at the end of the movie again i'm just like okay so now what because if a movie is like anti something it usually will also well not always but sometimes raise a solution and then this movie doesn't or maybe i just didn't again maybe i just didn't get it 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. And one of my least favorite things about these movies are actually these fascist sequences. They're like, the costuming and the performance and stuff is fine, but I, I really don't know what they're going for here. Like In uh, this movie? Yeah, with, the, with these fascist-like sequences, like, you can, I guess, the point later on, for example, is when, you know, when the manager discovers him drugged out and he revives him. And then the scene where he's at the rally is supposed to be like him at the concert, I guess. Yeah, because he sees himself. I don't know if this is like a Ziggy Stardust like thing where he's like, this is my alter ego. Or if that's just supposed to be like a metaphor for rock stars. There's just like so much interpretation with this movie. Like I just come out of it thinking like, oh, I have like a million things that this movie can mean. I don't know what really to go with. And I don't mean to I don't mean to be overly critical, but I think like a, a degree of it is like the ambiguity is done like being like, all right, you decide what this is about because this just kind of looks cool. For example, I want to say that the whole reason we have these World War Two, the whole reason that his father died in World War Two is that so we can have cool, admittedly cool, yeah, juxtaposed images of like World War Two with like modern times. So, oh, the yeah. soldier drops his phone because he's dead and then pink drops his phone because his wife is cheating on him and he's depressed and like the world war ii sequences are done great but like thematically i really do not see the connection there a lot of the film to me is stuff mashed up together like you said and not necessarily a cohesive way and even not necessarily in a way where it's like oh you can interpret it this way or this way sometimes it feels a little bit messy yeah it's like I just, I really don't, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be getting from this. And I know I said on the show that, like, that's a good thing and you should think about it. And that's why I'm going to keep, we'll, I'll, I'll try to make this the last time I say it. I'm going to rewatch the movie and I'll try to really, really think about it and, you know, figure something out. But there is just so, so, so much going on in this movie. That's just like anti-life. I really, <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah, man, this movie's kind of like shit sucks, and <laughs> then you die. Yeah. But, um, you know, hey, the music in the movie's pretty good. <laughs> the, the, movie, the music is pretty good. But, like, and, like, this movie looks, like, expensive, but it's made on a $12 million budget. Like, these World War II sequences, I don't know if they were just reusing stuff from the studio. Either way, it looks good. There's lots of effects in this, like, like this thing where a guy's buried in sand, it looks great. Um, Not to mention all the sequences where extras are just breaking shit. Like, smashing there's like, windows. There's like four or, or five sequences. Like, Pink, uh, after he invites a groupie up to his apartment, yep. and she tries to come on to him, and he's just remains catatonic, then he just starts smashing up his apartment. Yep. And then, like, uh, in the fascist scene, everybody leaves. They start smashing up windows, mm -hmm. and then the police are smashing shit, mm -hmm. and then the kids are smashing shit. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's a lot of, I imagine that's a lot of, uh, whatever the glass they use, like, not plexi. I forget what it's called. It's like sugar glass or yeah. something like that. But they used a lot of that, so that's probably where most of the budget went. Where, like, the glass is, like, paper thin. Yeah, and so then you <laughs> smash it, it's not gonna, like, mess your day up there. Yeah. Um, sorry, what did, what did you want to say? And then I kept going with my rant. Yeah, you remember. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to take that thought back if I could, <laughs> but I cannot. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I, I just, I just don't know. One thing I really do like about this movie is that I think it's pretty well directed. 
Yeah. I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of good cinematography in this. I think it's a pretty good looking movie for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. It look it looks really great. There's this there's this one sequence where and one thing this movie also does is reuses a few sequences. Yes. Quite a few times. Yeah. Uh, but one sequence that I really like is just pink floating uh in the pool and then like the pool turns red and then it shows his father's face and right before his father gets blown up or whatever. I don't I think that's what happens at least. Um, and then, like, the music starts playing, and, like, Pink is freaking out. I don't know. That whole sequence was pretty effective. I don't really know what emotion I was feeling, but it, it hit whatever it was. It, it just gelled with me. You could say that, like, I mean, this it's... You could say that this movie has a lot of horror elements in, the, in yeah. terms of imagery, especially, because yes. there's a lot of, like, in animated sequences, there's the horribly grotesque monsters. Yeah. They look, they look freaky, man. And then there's a lot of, like, I mean, the children with their masks. Yeah, they have these masks that they use um, quite often in the movie. It just, like, think of just a perfectly smooth, round mask. And then belly buttons for the eyes and the mouth. And that's kind of it what kinda it is. It kind of looks like the face on the cover, like on the poster, like sort of. Kind of. It's just like a weird looking distorted face. If you saw a kid like that in the night, you'd be you'd be scared. Is what you gotta know. I think like the masks are supposed to just be like they're just drones. Yeah, because they go they go through the and it's like that classic. I mean, there's like a million like image or like cartoons of that where it's like the people go into the machine and they come out like yes. drones or whatever. They actually do that in this. Yes, and then they go into the meat grinder too to get turned into hamburger. Uh, what does that mean? Hey, we're all just exactly. I, the wall. What does that mean? Don't worry about it, man. It looks cool, though. That's the, that. It kind of reminds me. Uh, do you know the Dead Kennedy song, Soup is Good Food? Yeah. They say, like, at the end of the song that, like, um, like the mentally ill and, like, um, rats that they test on, like human rats, they just get uh, put into this grinder and become soup. And that's the good food. Yeah. It's kind of a soiling green moment there. Yeah. Um, I, I said this before we started recording. I can talk about it a bit more now. Um, I don't think... Like, this movie portrays women in a really weird way. Yeah, let's talk about... there. I mean, there aren't a ton of characters in this film, but let's talk about the female characters. There's the mother. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing that kind of bothered me, is that supposedly Pink has suffered so bad because of a lack of a father figure. Is this like Roger Waters projecting or something? Because like the way he presented it, it's like it absolutely devastated his life. Mm -hmm. His mom is like, I guess like that non-factor that is not worth talking about. I don't know. Because she's presented as a perfectly, you know, competent mother. But then I don't know. He's just still sad all the time, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't really get it. This whole, I mean, like, you see some people talk about how you need, like, kids are better off with um, a mother and a father. Although, statistically, it's just, like, two parents. That's what really matters. And that's more of an economic thing than it is, like, a, like you need a father figure to teach you to be strong and how to do blah, 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 which bullshit you don't really need. 
I guess like this theme would be one that would resonate like at the time because like I imagine there was probably a lot of people who lost their fathers to World War yeah. Two, and I don't know if that's just kind of like meant to be, just like you know, like commentary in terms of this is kind of the product of this big war that killed a lot of father figures. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's it like that. It's not convincing that Pink has become like this absolutely devastated in his adult life just because of this thing. And I mean, of course, there's other things, but then that brings us to his wife. Well, yeah, there was the mother uh, and then the wife, which you could talk about because, like I said before we started, I kind of, I didn't fully grasp that when I was watching it. Basically, um, he he meets his wife um, and they're happy and in love or whatever. And I guess as... Pink grows more and more cold and distant. They don't really, they don't explicitly say what makes him like all drugged out like that, maybe drugs. Um, but uh, eventually, there's like a sequence where she tries to like rouse him and he is just out. And then she meets a guy somewhere else and they start fooling around. Um, I mean, his wife isn't really portrayed like horribly in this. She she cheats on him, of course, but well, she shouldn't have. But like, yeah, other than that, she's not like in the wrong. <laughs> like, like her husband is a vegetable. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't really blame her for one of Yeah. Uh, but then that's also supposed to be like, and what's weird is that that happens after Pink is devastated. Yeah. So. And but that's supposed to contribute, and I guess it does contribute to his his mental his poor mental state but like what has put him in this position they don't say explicitly so maybe like i i really don't know i think it's just because here's my idea so dad dies a mother isn't really there so he's just kind of he he's just lonely and then in his teenage years like he i don't like he's just kind of just more and more lonely and then starts to write poetry, which was funny because he's just writing lyrics for, for money, money uh, <laughs> off Dark Side of the Moon. And then, like, the teacher makes fun of him and he doesn't have a really good time in school because I guess he's supposed to be, like, this artist. And then in school, they're just drilling, like, stuff that, you know, artist types would be like, what am I ever going to use this uh, you know, math and stuff, and he's like, oh, I hate this, it's not for me, but he still has to do it, and then being an artist in this scenario makes him feel more isolated, more different, and then as an adult, I, at that, I, like, I, I don't know, it's not really that convincing, to be honest. It's not, well, and, and I guess that, I mean, they had the concept, I mean, the album was already made, so the movie plot was kind of set. Yeah. And I get that, I guess they're, given that the way they wanted to do this movie, presuming that this is the way they wanted to do it, there wasn't much leeway to have, like, character development, per se. Mm -hmm. It's almost, like, almost all of the storytelling is done visually. There's very brief dialogue sequences. And even then, they're, like, basically negligible. You could probably watch this movie on mute and know everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. It just feels, like, in terms of being like an actual film in that regard you know character wise is lacking pretty hard Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we were talking about the female characters. Yeah. Are there any others so, that we missed? So there's the mom, there's his wife. Um, there's that one groupie, but she's also portrayed fine. She just tries to come on to him yeah. and sucks his fingers, and then he just starts breaking shit. He just flash, She flashes her boobs at some security guy, and then it's so funny. She just walks up to him nonchalantly, opens up her jacket, and then he's just like, all right, go in. <laughs> and then, like, her and her pals, like, they go into the security bar guard booth. Like, one of them's giving him a blow job. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I guess that's what, uh, I don't know if that's what groupies are like. I guess Roger Wa- Waters would know what groupies are like more than I would. Yeah. So, hey, you know what? Hey, okay, okay. And there's this one, um, there's one weird addition where um, the, his teacher, which if you've ever seen the uh, the music video for Another Brick in the Wall Part 2, it's just ripped from the movie. And you've seen that teacher, how can you have your pudding if you haven't had your meat um he's just kind of yelled at by his wife and then they're like because his wife is mean to him he's mean to the kids um but the big thing is like in the animation the animated parts of the movie there's like a lot of like vaginal monsters uh there's this one scene where there's this rose that's pretty much just supposed to be a vagina and this other rose which is just supposed to be a penis and they're kind of playing with each other and then the vagina rose just becomes a monster and like eats it and like again it just kind of portrays um it just portrays women really odd in this movie it almost like seems like a victim complex like Oh, like my girlfriend cheated on me because I'm a I'm a really shitty partner. Boo hoo! Like I don't feel bad for you, really. Yeah, I I don't because he <laughs> he doesn't do anything in this movie to really help himself. No, like he's basically he's not really. The only moments of action from Pink in this film, I think, are when he trashes his apartment, which you know actually it's in the grand scheme and on paper is is a good idea to just have this guy sort of be catatonic until just this one moment where he lets his pent out rage and then he also shaves himself and that's it but he, yeah he's not a very active player in the story so he doesn't really quote unquote deserve to have his wife back mm-hmm. if you know what i mean it kind of just like this whole thing of like his relationship reminded me of guys and there's a lot of guys out there who don't really want a girlfriend they want a mom uh, which was basically what he was looking for, I felt, in this movie, is just a mom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's... I. That's probably just something that they didn't even consider. I don't know if it's like a deliberate, misogynistic sort of undertone or whatever. But, yeah, and then aside from that, there aren't really any other female characters. No, well, none of importance. There's a ton of, like, female extras or whatever. Yeah. Um... But yeah, um, I I want to pick your brain quick about some scenes and ask if you have any sort of opinion on them. There's a one scene where young Pink finds his dad's bullets in uh, in the drawer that, like I said before, and then him and his buddies go to a train track, and he puts like a bullet down on the train track, so when the train comes and hits it, it'll fire and it'll be really epic. And then Pink is watching the train, and then as it goes by, there's people in what I consider what I imagine like a concentration camp train would look like they're in like bars or whatever with their hands sticking out uh what do you think that scene meant I'm not (laughs) good question 
I, I guess there's a couple interpretations. The easy one that I thought like immediately was just concentration camp, considering that like he had a World War II relic. Yeah. Although that seemed like, and I get, and I guess that sort of fits in because we have like the the fascists that are basically like Nazis right? mm-hmm. sequences in the film. The other thing is that the train also just the imagery of the hands coming out of the train. It it kind of just made me think of like kind of the central theme of the film, which is the whole idea of the wall, which mm-hmm. is like the wall that Pink has is this wall that he builds around himself, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's all his past traumas and stuff that's keeping him, you know, from everybody else. So to me, that specific imagery of all the hands reaching out was very reminiscent of just like trying to escape or desperately trying to to, to get out. And there's even a sequence later on in the film where Pink is banging on this wall yeah, like slapping yeah. on it, and of course it's a huge brick wall, so it doesn't move. And tries to like climb up or whatever, yeah. but can't get a grasp on it. And I actually like that se- that specific scene a lot. Uh, the one where he bangs on the wall because mm-hmm. you really, I found when I was watching it, it was like it really kind of cemented the idea of how how futile like all his efforts are. Yeah, kinda, I guess you kind of get the sense that he's struggling inside, but just this wall is too much for him, and there's no way for him to overcome it. But going back to the train scene, yeah, I guess those are like the, my two quasi interpretations. Other than that, uh, there's also it kind of it it's, happens later on in the film. The, I think the only other scene with the train is when people are coming home, and you see all the fathers coming home, or and well, all the men coming home from World War Two. It kind of made me think of that. But I don't and know then he, he picks on one guy's jacket, thinking it's his dad, and then it's just like some random guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What did you think of, uh, and we haven't mentioned it, but there's also a ton of hammer imagery in this movie. That that one, uh, that one kind of eluded me. I was kind of wondering what the whole hammer deal was. Yeah. Um, my first inclination was hammer and sickle. It doesn't really make That's what sense. I thought, but yeah, again, like they don't, there's only the hammer and then they don't really do anything else. I guess maybe the hammer would fit in in the imagery of a wall, but you don't really use hammers for a wall, right? No. So I really don't, I really don't know. Because like, I was thinking like, oh, the hammer is for breaking the wall, but then there are sequences where there are like hammers goose stepping. Mm-hmm. So hammers are supposed to be the fascists. Yeah. And it's the logo of the fascists. Yeah. Two hammers crossed together. I really don't know. I don't know if it's meant... There's a... I mean, there's a chance because the fascist sequences, they're, like, kind of Nazi, but they're not really specific. Maybe it's meant to kind of evoke, like, like, uh, Soviet Russia. Maybe. In in that sense. That would also play into the the whole Berlin Wall thing. Yeah. If if there's any actual connection to the Berlin Wall when they they were making this. I actually don't know what the hell the Berlin Wall is. I just know it was a a brick wall you're more of a history guy than i am can you <laughs> clue me yeah in? so it, germany after or i don't know if it was immediately after world war ii but they were separated into two sides west yeah, and east yeah yeah i know that and east west germany was like real germany mm-hmm. and then east germany was like the germany that the soviets control okay um and the berlin wall caused a lot of strife because it's like you weren't allowed to cross it like yes people would cross yeah the and they get shot get fucking shot um so it was a symbol so then in 1990 or 89, I guess, um, they were like, yeah, fuck this, we're gonna... Well, people started b- breaking the wall themselves. Oh, really? Yeah, and then the I think the wall... I think the wall fell, like, of the people's volition. Uh, and beca- and that's and then after that, West and East Germany reunified. And the big thing with the Berlin Wall is that was, like, the end of the Cold War. 
Okay. They had the reconciliation between and Germany was reunified again. But yeah. Was East Germany like land Nazi Germany stole or was it? No, like I think the Berlin Wall, I I think East and West Germany was just actually Germany and the Berlin Wall separated the two. Okay. So it was German territory. Like East Germany now is just Germany. Yeah. So it was just, it was just territory claimed. By Soviet. By Soviet. After they owned them. Yeah, after after they after they type poggers in the chat, after they dummied them. <laughs> after the Germans thought that they could beat the Russians uh, in the war during the winter and got absolutely dummied. Yeah, what they mean by what do you think they meant by that? They're just like ah, schlieben, schleib, gleeben, gluben. And got screwed. Uh, okay, well, thank you for the history lesson. Cause no, pro- no problem, guys. I don't know anything. Uh... We can spin off to a history podcast. <laughs> It'd be pretty sick. Yeah? Yeah. Next uh, next week, we'll talk about the Tuskegee experiments. Uh, well, don't worry about that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I was talking about that the other day at work, actually. Cause you I were was... red-pilling your coworkers? Yeah, because I was talking about how... It's just funny that, like... People will just talk about conspiracy theories that make no fucking sense, like, uh, you know, the Earth is flat or COVID is a government conspiracy. But then, like, they'll have real ones and they'll be like, huh? MKUltra? No. no. That's silly. Like, nobody cares about those, but, like, this other, like, chemtrails and shit. Like, I guess the people that are subscribing to this are somewhat mentally ill. So. <laughs> Like, honestly, yeah, they're just, like, paranoid schizophrenic or whatever, but whatever. Well, and a lot of conspiracy theorists are just, like, focusing on, I mean, like, on stuff that happens now, I guess. Um, But, yeah, you never see them, say, talk about, like, systematic oppression. No. Slavery in other countries. It's just, my government is lying (laughs) in the chemtrails. Shit doesn't even make sense half the time, okay? It's just, it's just odd. If you're a conspiracy theorist, still listen to the show, but we don't condone your ideas, okay? Read a book. We need those clicks, though, so keep them coming, okay? Other than that, like, I really don't know what else to talk about this movie, just because, I, like, other than that, I'm just going to talk about sequences that I I like. Um, I pretty... I, 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 I've said it all, really, that I can. It's another movie where we just kind of have to watch it. Um, there aren't like too many things that I can pick out and talk about without going into just detail where I'm just describing the movie or the scene. Um, do you have like anything else that you? A couple of things. Okay. Uh, there's one sequence towards the end of the film that I like, and it's and it's <laughs> it's the most explicit the film has ever been about a climax. It's just like this montage of. His wife and and her lover cheating on him, and there's a bunch of other sexual imagery, and I think that's when we see some of the. I think that's when the animated sequence of the court. Yeah, the court. Ah, oh, we should talk. Actually, I have more things to talk about. Thank you. You keep going though. Uh, that was a small touch that I actually liked a lot. That the climax of the film was like actual climax with the sex stuff. I don't know. It like it worked pretty well for me. The film doesn't, I guess, doesn't have like a ton of sexual overtones, but especially the animated sequences have a lot of sexual imagery. Mm-hmm. So when they kind of blended the two, it kind of came together for me. That was that was one of the more cohesive moments that I appreciated in the film. Yeah, and this is like just another odd piece. There's a scene in the animated bit at the end where um, it shows his teacher, and his teacher is controlling Pink, and at the end, Pink is portrayed by, like, just a little tiny puppet, 
just like a basic blank white puppet and his controller uh, his teacher is controlling him like a puppeteer would and then behind the teacher is his naked wife controlling him and then she they made her really fat for some reason was that and, his wife yeah well who else would it be i don't know other than that it would just be like women control him is like the point of that yeah. I yeah, see that's just another thing that I I don't really understand that sort of angle. Um I don't want to sound like, you know, a, a snowflake here, but yeah, it's his, it's his wife controlling the the teacher. I don't really get that. Yeah, and I and well, that further cements the image, the idea that they alluded to in the film where it was just like, oh, this guy's a dick because his wife is a dick to him. And that is weird. Like, what is what is with that? I don't And then what's a takeaway from that? What's the solution? Don't be mean. It's it's about the cycle of anger and how, you know, anger begets anger and violence and suffering. And, and then but what's a way out? Well, there's no way out because we live in a society and uh, there's no escape from society. Shoot. <laughs> Look, don't worry about it. I didn't, you know what? I'm glad you pointed out because I really did not notice any. I didn't really think of any of the sexist overtones that this film or undertones. I don't know if it's like, I I, I don't know if it's sexist. It it kind of, I mean, from what we've seen, it kind of is a little. (laughs) Okay. I don't think that I, I, like if this came out today. People would be like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, the the Mary Sue.com would be on their guy, their ass about this. And like the thing is, other than like the teacher's wife kind of being like a little mean to him, and even then, like the thing that we see is like she just says, "Like finish your dinner before you have your pudding." Pudding, like, is that mean? Other than that, like, I don't think any other women in this movie are that bad. So I really don't. I really don't get it. I don't know. And then, and then in this, and and even in this, like chord sequence, like the, the, uh, the evil demons or whatever that are judging him, like there's lips, the lady and vaginas, and and then his mother is cradling him. Yeah, this dude's got uh, an Oedipus complex, I think. A little bit of something going on. Um, the other thing I wanted to pick your brain at was, what do you think there's any takeaway from? Um, all the imagery of like, or not, uh, maybe imagery is not the right word, but all the scenes where Pink is just uh, watching TV. They There's a lyric in the song, uh, or in one of the songs when Pink is watching where he's like, I have 13 channels of shit to choose from. Yes, yeah. So I guess it was just meant to... <laughs> TV bad. TV like that's what thing. This movie just has so many <laughs> many scenes of just X is bad, school is bad, TV is bad, like commercialism is bad. Um, there's one scene I, I I'll pick your brain at this too. There's one scene where um, young Pink goes to like some in, insane asylum or something and sees older Pink in a corner where he's all shaved and stuff and he tries to tap on him do you think like that's his mental state of trying to return to that kid mindset but it's some, something like that that's, a, that's yeah. a i feel like that's a sequence that we see in a lot of films which is like the kid the kid version of a character meets the adult version and usually there's trauma involved and i think it's just meant to be the idea that you have to reconcile your past maybe yeah and or and you know in that specific sequence maybe it's the idea that you know uh, 
Pink stopped living after he was a kid, I guess. I don't know. And then the thing is, like, the kid version gets spooked by the adult version and then runs away. So it's like, so did he not reconcile with this past? I don't... Well, I mean, in this in this film, there's no, like... It's not like Pink get, gets his issue fixed. The movie just kind of ends. We have yeah. this animated sequence. We have this... Well, the wall breaks. The and wall that, breaks. That's it's... the thing, is that he becomes unisolated yeah and then like there's kids picking up rubble at the end and then it, i think the last shot of the movie is the freeze frame of a kid with a molotov cocktail yeah um <laughs> jury's out brother <laughs> i simply do not know and i don't understand what in this movie is supposed to symbolize like him snapping and be like okay i gotta get out of isolation here because the last thing is he's in his hotel room and then he gets all fucked up and they think he's dead like his i think it's supposed to be his manager or whatever yeah, comes in manager. with a bunch of guys and they shoot him with something i'm assuming is supposed to be adrenaline or, or some amphetamine or something. yeah yeah and then he comes kind of awake and then they're like pulling him out of the room and i like the effects on this because he gets like crustier and crustier yeah and there's a he's sitting in the back of the limb or whatever and he's just like entirely he looks like a he looks like a fleshy scab. It's yeah. like it looks like what Leatherface would look like if he had put a whole body suit on yes. and it was all pimply and bubbly. Yeah. And I guess and that 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 I guess you could say is an easy just for an easy visual metaphor for his inner turmoil because he's comfortably numb, but mm -hmm. he's not really comfortable. He's he's suffering. And then he pulls out of that and then he's in his like fascist alter ego or whatever. And then he goes to the concert and then he, he says like, are there any queers here? And I thought he meant like, are there any like weirdos here? Or any outcasts? Any, yeah. And then he's just like, put him against a wall. And then he's like, put that black person against a wall too. <laughs> and like, I was like, okay, what the hell? And then after that, I think that's kind of where we get the courtroom scene, isn't it? That is, yeah. So, like, I don't really understand how this leads to him then saying, like, I need to unisolate myself. I think, to a degree, um, the, I, I, I mean, Pink Floyd is a psychedelic band, right? Yeah. Going into this movie, I didn't really expect a straightforward story. Right. And it, it just, that just kind of comes with the territory. Um, I guess the, like, it's, it has a, a narrative, but it's perhaps not the focus of the film, if I could say. Yeah. I feel like, in a sense, a lot of it is having these specific sequences that they had in mind. There's almost like, I mean, for each like major song, they almost have like their own music video. Yeah, and then they kind of like loosely connect them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in that sense, I think that maybe they weren't going for the traditional film route and maybe because we're used to that that didn't gel as much as it should have with us but i mean i i can get down with art films and stuff like that and there's portions of this film that i love but there are there is stuff in this movie that drags and then there's stuff that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense um and uh, just stuff that a lot of stuff that baffles you and not necessarily in a way that has you thinking after the film just in a way that makes you think uh, okay. These guys took a couple extra tabs and uh, they went off the wall here. Like, I wonder if there's like a cut, a fan edit somewhere where they put everything in chronological order. You know what? For any given movie, if you ask if there's a chrono cut, it's somewhere. Yeah. And if there isn't, we make it. 
I'm sure there is. This is a cult. I'm sure some Pink Floyd diehard has done that. Because, like, I don't want to seem... To make it seem like I'm dumb, but this movie is just, like, seriously all over the place. Yeah, it is. Where I either need to watch it a few more times to really grasp it, or I need to watch, like, a chronological cut of it or something. Or you need to go on The Wall Ending Explained on nah, YouTube. Fuck that. What? That'll be the day. That'll be the day. Uh, you mean today? Nah. After we're done this video nah. and, we, and we find out what this movie's nah, about? I don't think so, pal. I'll find my own answer, and it'll either be that this movie has a meaning or that it sucks. But I'm gonna like, listen. I'm gonna listen to the album before I watch the movie again. Yeah, me too. And read the lyrics, and then just think about the album, and then think about the movie too. Uh, at the end of the day, this should have been a dark side movie, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Beatles were doing drugs, and I, I like Mystery Tour. I mean, I don't like it a lot, but Mystery Tour, the movie is. Which is pretty good. So, drugs are not the excuse on this one. And no, not that they're uh, from the UK either. That That's might ruled that out. actually might. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Which part of the UK are they from? Are, East, uh, are they EastEnders? I don't know. Okay, then that's how we know. Uh, do you have much more to say? No, I think that's about it. I I feel like I've I've talked shit about this movie a little, but I overall it was a positive experience. It's just there's just a few things that didn't click, and I can really see if we gotta talk uh, obligatorily about the cult appeal. I can see why the critics were kind of mixed on this upon um, upon release. Mm -hmm. And I and and I can see why it's a cult film as well because it's it's pretty strange and also it's Pink Floyd. I mean, come on, they have a huge fan base and a dedicated one too. Anytime like a band is gonna make a movie, it's gonna it's gonna be cult pretty much. Yeah. Because people are gonna be like, "Did you know that Jimi Hendrix is a movie?" And they'd be like, "What? No, I'm gonna watch that." I guess of like the Beatles movie, I feel like Yellow Submarine is the most famous. Yeah. Like, I guess you could kind of call that a cult movie. Nobody knows like Help or. Hard, Hard Day's, Day's Night, Night. or Mystery, Mystery Tour. Mystery, That's not yeah. even on YouTube or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, one of my friends was telling me because we watched uh, we watched Mystery Tour with a couple of our buddies, and he said that he was trying to find a clip from that movie and he couldn't find it. I don't know how hard he looked, but he said he couldn't find it. Mm. So I don't know. Um, I am gonna jump to my bag rating here. Let's get into bags. Yeah, I'm gonna give it five out of ten. Okay. Um, because there are things that I like in the movie, uh, things that I really like, but the whole movie, I was just kind of just feeling numb watching it, wondering what the point was. Um, so I, I think at last time I said, I promise <laughs> you, maybe one day that my rating will change for better or for worse. We're gonna um, we're gonna rewatch it before the end of the year, and we'll give an update at some point in the coming months. Yeah, that, that's a cop promise. Yeah. What about you? For me, it's a three-bagger. Three bags. It's a three-bagger. Okay. And it just goes... Because at the end of the day, is this a movie I'll watch again? Yeah, because it's intriguing. It, it, it has some very nice shot composition. It's shot pretty well. There's a lot of good ideas, and the music is pretty damn good. There's just some things that, you know, stop it from... That prevent it from being a really easy experience for me. There's just some stuff... And I mean, a lot of stuff, actually. But, but a medium amount of stuff that just f flat out doesn't work for me. 
But overall, I think it's a pretty interesting project, and it's definitely one worthy of like existing. Yeah, I would. I have to say, and, and you know what? You always kind of, th- and you know what? At least we get the answer. You know, you always try, try to think like, what kind of, what a musician. I mean, I feel like film and music, especially, are kind of like connected in a way that maybe other mediums are not. Mm-hmm. Just in the sense that there's a lot of crossover. A lot of musicians are actors, and 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 vice versa, and so on and so forth. So, I like this. I like Pink Floyd's take on cinema, and it's uh, eh, you know, it's a rock and rolling good time. Maybe a director's cut would be needed, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a rock and rolling good time for the for your friends and family. Gather around the tube as Pink Floyd takes you on a banging journey with twenty original songs, including twenty songs, including, two brothers, including another brick in the wall part one and part two, and comfortably numb this summer. Let's go. Uh, I have a pose bag chat in mind. Okay. Okay. So I had this idea. Yeah. For our one-year cop anniversary. Which is? Episode 50. But, oh, what's a date? Yeah. I don't know. I was going to look at that and then never got around to it. Probably sometime in, like, February or March, I imagine. We're on episode, like, 30-something. So, let's just say 16... Probably in, like, four months or something like that. Yeah. Hopefully, the studio that we, we were recording at will be open by then. My plan originally was we were going to do a commentary track of Star Wars 77, but I had this epiphany the other day while I was working. Um, I was talking about Star Wars, and I said, I could talk about Star Wars all day. And I thought... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no! What if I did? What if I tried that? So my plan was I was... Go- I'm going to try... I don't even know if it's possible. This is just an idea. To do live... Well, not live, but in a continuous stream commentate every Star Wars movie start to finish. Even the bad ones. I, I don't know if I want to do 1 to 9 or do 1 and 9 and then Rogue One and Solo or 1 and 9 and then Rogue One and Solo. So Holiday Special and the two Ewok movies. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but I was thinking like, okay, I wanted to do the 77 commentary track with you. And then if I do that, I don't want to do it again while doing all the movies in one go so might as well do them all one yeah so i was thinking what we could do i don't know if you'd want to join me because it would literally take over a day yeah i got time so you could either do all of them with me or like i could do one to three and then you could join in on four and five and six if you wanted to or whatever but it would that's gonna be a huge project yeah like that like we will literally have to book off like three days of work because my plan is I'll just stay up the whole night before and then sleep during the day and then wake up at 12 a.m., go to the studio and record from 12 a.m. till whenever we're done, really. Yeah. And then, I don't know, like get skip the dishes uh, for meals. Yeah, I, what are them? McDonald's. I don't know, but it will be like a, a huge project. We're going to need a case of Red Bull to get through that. A, c- a couple cases, some something else, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, 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 I know what you're saying. Yeah, let's go. I was thinking either that or like we could still do 77 by ourselves and then maybe I would just do like all the Star Trek movies by myself or not by 
we would do 77 ourselves and then I do the Star Trek movie movies by myself but if you want to join me on the uh if you like that all-day Star Wars idea, we can uh, do that. I like the idea. Would you want to have a guest on? They could come for a movie or two. We, like we, got, we got time. We could have people walk in and out. Yeah. You know, we could get uh, redacted back on. Redacted, yeah. Uh, our secret guest from last week. We could I'm, have Caitlin on. Yeah. We could have Jared and Michael on. We could have Jared and Mike on. That'd be sick. I don't know. I think that that would be, like, fun. But I have to ask the station manager if um, they they can handle a file that size. We could probably break it up into... No. What do you mean, no? No, it's going to be one... Oh, you mean, like... You can just hit stop recording and then click start recording again. So they yeah. have separate files. Yeah. Well, and the big thing is if we can book a whole day at yeah. this station. I'm sure we could get away someday if we if we ask. Like a Sunday. There yeah. there were days when the station was open where they, it was free all the yeah. time. But this, I guess, I guess this is really dependent on if the station is open in January. <laughs> Wow, I don't forget to wash your hands. Okay, guys. I feel like I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. The school is definitely not. We're not gonna have school this in person this uh, semester. Shit. <laughs> Which I'm honestly kind of excited for, because um, then I can listen to music all day and just <laughs> study. Which is fun. It's because you. This is because your room is your sanctuary. Okay. I this need to. Is, I need to be out party of, pad. I need to be out of the house sometimes. Well, no. I love being at school. I love the atmosphere and whatnot. But it will be cool to try it out. I mean, come on. When are we gonna get a chance to like do school from home next semester when COVID? Hey, is still yeah, 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 yeah. For the next three go. years, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's go. Hey. Um, yeah. Oh, and then we'll just talk about it on the air now. Spitball ideas. Uh, what do you want to do for your community episode? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking we could do like a top five. I feel like if we're going to do a, sh if we, if we're reviewing called television shows, we can't just do top five. Like we also have to talk about the shit episodes. Yeah. We got to talk about the shortcomings too. Uh, I'm I'm really not sure about the format. Maybe I'll take a look at other TV podcasts, see how they do it. Okay. Because I guess the options, we could go season by season and highlight stuff from there. But I don't know. Because I just want to know what to look for before I start watching the show. I guess just like recurring things are a big thing. Like in television, like what are the things that make the show good? Like, uh, like running gags mm -hmm. or like... Uh, good chemistry between the cast like that kind of thing it's it's hard because like unlike a two-hour movie it's like a hundred hour tv show mm -hmm. uh, i don't know well um who's who's the old white guy in that movie is it che or in that show chevy chase yeah chevy chase what season does he leave he what? leaves the, the good uh, he leaves in season four what what season does he take the executive decision to walk away from the project and like at the end of season three, he okay. done. Okay. And those are the <laughs> the first three seasons are the good seasons. Then that's what you want me to watch, just yeah. the first, and we'll review the first three seasons. Yeah, the okay. whole show is pretty decent, but like the fourth season, Dan Harmon leaves. Who's that? He's the guy. He's also the guy who co-created Rick and Morty. He's a creator of the show. Dan oh really? Yeah. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, he well, Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland created yeah. Rick and Morty, but then Dan Harmon did Community. He created himself. Dan Harmon is a guy that looks like the American Alan Moore, right? Like because he's fat and has a beard. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see it. Um, but in season four, he got fired by NBC because he's notoriously difficult to work with. How um, so? He's just kind of a dick, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And he has, like, mood swings and Mm. depressive episodes and such. And then, so in season four, they fired him, and that's considered the worst season. And then in season five, it's funny because they hire him back, and they just talk about, every time they talk about last year, they talk about how there was a gas leak in the school. (laughs) That's why everybody was acting all fucky. That's funny. Uh, and then there's season six, which is okay, and that's like the last season of the show for sure. Is he there for season six? Who? Uh, Dan Harmon? Yeah. yeah, I yes, he is. Oh, yeah. Okay. But it just sucks for some reason. No, uh, season six and season six is decent, but like at that point, we we lost three of the seven main characters. Did da- uh, does Donald Glover leave? Donald Glover leaves. Uh, he leaves on good terms. Okay. And he has like a proper send off. Uh, with LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton's there? Oh, you'll see. Yeah, he's in the show. It's a good time. Uh, and then Nicole, Yvette Nicole Brown, who plays Shirley, she just leaves. Is that the black lady? Black lady? Yeah. yeah. Um, did Donald Glover leave because he just wanted to do music? Yeah, he was okay. like, he, he said, like, after he was like, basically, I was just done with the show. I was kind of bored and I wanted to pursue new artistic projects. But I'm not, I actually don't give him flack for that because... He, he didn't just leave the show after saying a racial slur on set <laughs> um, and because his send-off is decent. so Okay. Yeah. Uh, they don't just kill him off. Yeah. <laughs> I love those episodes where, like, of any show where a character di- or a character is leaving the show and then they just have the laziest fucking thing. Like when Charlie Sheen got kicked off, two and a half men is just like, oh, he died. <laughs> so is that what happened? Yeah. It was so stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they do Chevy Chase kind of dirty because they also go he dies. Oh really? They almost like make <laughs> they almost like make fun of him. You'll see, you'll see when you watch it. Okay. Uh, but it's good stuff. Yeah. That would be funny if they did like a satirical he died or something. Yeah, I almost don't want a com- I want a community movie, but I like I know Chevy Chase for sure is not gonna come back. There's you no... think he he won't even have a cameo or anything? Maybe like if if they but like the way they the terms they left on are no bueno. Okay, Donald Glover f- could for sure could come back and actually everyone will probably be fine to come back except for Chevy Chase. Do you think like Ch- Chevy Chase is like outburst was like like do you think it was like racially motivated or no, he was just he, like pissed? He was just pissed yeah. and like. <laughs> I, what I've come to learn is that it, basically Clark Griswold in the Lampoon movies is just actually how Chevy Chase is in real life. <laughs> so, like, is Chevy Chase racist? No, but, like, he just is angry and doesn't give a damn. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, I'm not defending him at all. He shouldn't have said what he said, but I, I think it was more like an anger thing. It was an anger thing. I mean, like, he, the way, the context in which he says this, which he can look it up, mm. is the, the, the N-word. Is like he's pissed because uh, Dan Harmon wrote his character as like the racist old man, and... which is like grow up that you're an actor yeah, and that's, that's what the, you do. That's the character you play. Yeah. Maybe he felt it would uh, reflect poorly on his actual character, but uh, oh, how the turntables! Like, when has that ever happened? 
Uh, uh, I seriously, I can't think of. Is there an example of like someone who played a racist and people thought they were racist? No, no, that's not really how it works because people no. can separate uh, fiction <laughs> from real life. People aren't babies. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Jeremy. Uh, okay, that's all I got. That's all I got too. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in once again. Uh, well, we have to or... say what we're doing. Uh... Oh shit. So what are we doing next week? So next week it was Putney Swope. Yeah. Uh, after that, let me check the dates. So that's going to be that. That's Putney Swope. And then we have one more pick. And then for October, we're going to do full horror uh, because, uh, you know, it's, it's spooky month. But Matt said he had some secret um, fifth pick. <laughs> so we'll do one more after Putney Swope, and then it's going to be your secret pick. Do you have a movie that you want to do after Putney Swope? That's not the horror pick? It, it can be horror if you want. I have a I have an idea if you don't. I was... I One thing that we'll get to... Like probably after horror month, you can wait. But uh, I mentioned Soylent Green earlier. We yeah, should, we should review that at some point. What do What do you have in mind? Brain Dead. Uh, is that the Peter Jackson one? Yeah, yeah we can do that one. Okay, so we'll do Pony Swope, then Brain Dead, then Matt's Secret Pick. Should I save the October list now, or should we keep that a secret? Keep it secret until the last minute. Okay, we gotta keep them hanging. Okay. Also, what's the alternate title for Brain Dead? Like uh, Dead North Alive. Is that the North American one? Or is yeah, I think so. And then the other one's the Australian one? New Zealand. Was it only released in New Zealand? No, but that's where Peter Jackson... Yeah, he's... he's I, I think... think well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> it on that episode. Um, but I think most people know it. We'll hear anyways by Dead Alive. Yeah. Uh, I think I got... Maybe I'm getting it backwards. I don't know. Hey... Two pieces of trivia. Did you know that when uh, they released Forlom and Sockkiss action figures, they got their names wrong on the packaging? No. So Like they switched, swapped their names? Yeah, that's how like insignificant <laughs> they were. <laughs> they just swapped the names on the packaging. Did they fix it? Yeah. Okay. But I, I want to get uh, sealed Kenner uh, Forlom and Sockkiss figures <laughs> with the names wrong. That would be hilarious. And this is just a little piece of quick Jeopardy for you. Uh, which Star Trek character appears in the most episodes of all the shows in the franchise? It's going to be like an underground pick, right? No. So, what do you mean, though? It's not an underground pick. Not like an underground pick, but it's not going to be like Kirk or Spock, is it? You, you, give me your guess. Uh, like, if I have to go, like, what do I actually think? Like, I would think Nimoy because he was in the movies and he was in Next Gen. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I gotta go my actual answer, yeah, I'm gonna say uh, it's gonna be Chekhov. Worf. Really? Yeah, 282 episodes. What, he's what in else is he in? He's in Next Gen and then he's in Deep Space Nine. Oh, shit, I didn't even think about Next Gen cast. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking original series only. And uh, um, what's his name? Michael Dorn who plays Worf is in uh, one of the original series movies too. For the longest time, I thought Worf was played by Terry Crews, but that that like, would work. He looks he like Worf looks... without many makeup on. <laughs> if we need a next gen reboot, we could just do next gen again. Just, I mean, uh, you know, what's his name? I fucking forgot his name. Picard, just, Patrick Stewart. He's still Sir. Here. So, right, who cares? <laughs> 
British people just make shit up and they think I gotta listen to them. No. They're surtitles. Just fuck off. Uh, you can get Patrick Stewart back. LeVar Burns still good. Yep. Get Terry Crews as Worf. Michael Dorn's still alive. <laughs> yeah, but we don't need him. We need a, some star power here, okay? <laughs> Jesus. Do you remember when, like, Terry Crews came out about his sexual, sexual assault and then, like, 50 Cent made fun of him? Yeah. <laughs> what a bitch, man. Like, he's so fucking... Have you seen that clip of 50 Cent when he goes up to some reporter and tries to, like, uh, get close to her? Yeah. And she's, like... Yeah, she's, <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. No, thank you, Mr. That guy, Cent. That guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. The only... I But I gotta give him credit for two things. One, in the club, <laughs> which slaps so hard. And number two, when he was making Floyd fun Mayweather. of Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> pretty mean, but that was pretty based. And without him making fun of that, I would have never found the clip on the Breakfast Cup radio show of Floyd Mayweather. I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. Yeah, of course I'm sure. I don't give a damn. Play the clip. What did he say? Like he'd give, uh, he'd give Floyd Mayweather like five hundred. No, he said he or something. If he yeah, read Harry Potter to the chair. He was like ten thousand bucks to the charity of your choice. Read one page of a Harry po- any Harry Potter book. Uh, and he didn't do it, so <laughs> there, there you go. Did he ever like say anything to Fifty Cent? Or did they, he they had a beef, it? but like, I didn't, he, he didn't have like a definitive. I think he just kind of ignored it. Because what if you can't fucking read? What are you gonna say? <laughs> okay, like there's, there's no going back from that. I never watched that Floyd Mayweather and like Conor McGregor fight. Did he just destroy Conor McGregor? Yeah, just and it's just yeah, he did, and it's just because Conor McGregor is not a boxer, and Floyd Mayweather is a boxer. So they had a boxing match. It was a boxing match. Oh, yeah. okay. And that's why you have a lot of people going. Well, if, if it was a UFC fight, <laughs> then Conor would have kicked his ass like Copers. But like, okay, who would win in a fight between Mike Tyson in his prime and Joe Rogan? Probably Joe Rogan <laughs> at any point in his lifetime. Because what happens is that adult Joe Rogan will time travel through DMT. Oh, oh yeah. shit. Access other dimensions and shit. And then uh, he's giving the upper edge there. That was a solid post bag uh, shit. Yeah, and now it's over. Now it's over. Um, if you like the show, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we... We have social media. We have an Instagram. Yep. Thanks. <laughs>